Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Life big. All right, GoBros, welcome to the GoBro room. I got Mr. Les McDaniel from Austin, Texas with us. How you doing, Les? Doing fine, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome, buddy. Hey, Les, why don't you give everybody a little rundown on who you are, like a five-minute five minute, uh, five minute biopic from the time you were born uh, till today. Okay. I was raised like a military brat, but not a military brat, meaning probably from 1 to 11, or 0 to 11, um, born in January uh, of 1974. We lived in Atlanta, Georgia until I was 11. Um, my dad then decided to you know, venture off on his own. He was in physician search consultant in Atlanta, and they transferred him to California, and then he tried to start his own thing there. You know, he was an entrepreneur that just was always just a little behind the curve, a little, little behind being able to last uh, the hard times. Um, from there, uh, you know, went from California to Nashville, Tennessee, to Louisville, Texas, and then finally my parents and everybody, we landed in Abilene, my junior, uh, junior and senior year of high school. Uh, grew up in a real good home, got a great family, uh, love everybody's, you know, mom and dad are just plugging away in Abilene and, you know, love to see them on a regular basis. Um, I got two sisters. I'm the oldest of, of the, in the family. When I was, uh, I went to ACU after Abilene Christian, um, after we, after I graduated, um, met my wife in, I guess it was a year, I guess my sophomore year. We dated for probably a year and a half, got married. So we got started real soon out of college. I have since then uh, had four kids and now I've got, I got my oldest is at ACU right now. She's a sophomore got a senior in high school and then I've got, and I've got a, so that was Kaylin, Grace, a junior or sophomore, excuse me, and Addie. And then my son, Owen, who's in eighth grade. The, the history of business has been wild and wacky. Um, <laughs> I started out of school with MetLife for one year. They paid me a salary to basically train. And then I was like bored to tears by the industry. So I uh, immediately started my own business, a graphic design company with a business partner and did that for about three years. We were bought by my father-in-law's company, which was in the greeting card world, to take it over and to increase production. Did that for a while. Working with my father-in-law proved to be a little bit of a challenge. So um, my heart was called to ministry and I went back and got my Master's of Divinity at ACU in 2003. Graduated in 2006 with that degree and then started a church up in North Dallas 
we, uh, you know, did really well. It was a fantastic, fun ride, but very quickly, um, it was, there's a whole long drama behind it, but ministry in its traditional form is not for me. I'm a more open-minded guy. Uh, Christianity is my tribe, that I, as I call it, but they are not necessarily my, they don't li- live in my belief system. So still my family. But ultimately, how long? long, Okay, okay, so you were a pastor. Yes, for three years. Yeah, three three years. And did did you start your own church, or did you just join another already existing church? No, we started a Vine Life Church up in North Dallas, is where it was, and then. Wow, what was that like? What's it like to start? I I pretty much guarantee you know we haven't had anybody on this show or (laughs) that I know of on on, in GoBundance that has had experience of starting a church. What was that like? I mean. Obviously, it's a business, right? Yeah. Oh, it is, 100%. Um, I, I will tell you, I I'm, I'm have a non-traditional approach. Uh, I, I do think it's a little, if I, if I could boast, I do think it's Christ-like, if you will. But I mainly reach people by playing poker and drinking beer and playing softball and going to the pool and then preached on the weekends. <laughs> I mean, it was day in, day out in the community, highly engaged in the community, uh, we grew while other people were marketing and doing it the easy way. They had like 30 people. Um, we we were we grew like gangbusters just from beating the streets, loving on people where they're at, uh, meeting them where they're at. How many yeah. like how many parishioners did you have at the uh, you know at your peak? We were like right at 100, but that was after we had we had that hundred. So it was weird because the community had an aspect in which we we did a lot of things where the community would show up. And they would consider me, they would call me their pastor, but they didn't come to church. Yeah, right. If somebody we, died, they called you, they called yeah. you for a wedding. Yeah, that happens all the yeah. time, I'm sure. So, so that was, that. you know, it was like 100 people that came every Sunday, but it was literally, you know, in the 500s plus that would be around on a, on a um, day-in, day-out basis. So how, do you, how do you build something like that? And then did you give it to someone else when you left or what would you no. do? So the, uh, the, the short end version of that story is um, we were supposed to, the church that was supporting us was supposed to send us with, uh, and this is going to be a live broadcast. Oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> not live, but recorded. Yeah, recorded. So, yeah. Well, hey, right. The, your, your authenticity is what you based your church around. Absolutely. So you want to stop now, right? The supporting church was supposed to send many families. I mean, at least 10 families with us. They were in Denton, and they were supposed to send them to be a part of this. And what a supporting church is kind of like, what is a supporting church? I don't know. What's that they mean? Pay my, they, they basically pay me to start the church. Why? Because like they're wanting to. them? It's like yeah, a satellite was, office? Sort of, except I was my own thing, but they're, they're, the whole, whole concept was missions. We wanted to, they wanted to reach other people, and it was like a... It was like a United States mission field is really how I was operating. Okay, I get it. So they were supposed to send 10 people, um, 10 families. Uh, we got zero, and it was a long – there's a whole lot of reasons for that. They weren't really prepared for what we were doing and how it was going to be done. And if I'd been smart, I would have jumped ship. But instead, my sister and brother-in-law came and helped us, and uh, we really just – we just bore through. But when you have 100, 100 plus people who are leaning on – really just it was really me and my sister and brother-in-law and my wife of course she's very was very much involved it, it was unsustainable when, when when the money started to decline from the church that was supporting us and you're trying to ask baby christians and baby new believers parishioners to 
support that. It literally is just, it's a challenge. And, and I hate to even call them babies. They weren't babies. It was just a matter of, they weren't, that wasn't, they weren't used to, yeah. you they know, religious, so to exactly. speak, you know, religious <laughs> and, and they weren't in a different them. sense of the word, you know? Yeah. And so it was hard for them to pull out their pocketbook and write a big check. Right. We were, Aside from 10 bucks every time they show up. That's right. That's right. Which is easy. That's easy. But right. the big ones to support a guy. So it was either, we basically had a decision of, well, and there were some things that happened in that time that were just, they were awful. Uh, we've reconciled with everybody there since then. But my, you know, uh, there, there was just, there's a lot of awful things that we want. And you just close it down like a business, like, hey, you know. Yes. We don't have enough to make payroll we're shutting down. Exactly. That is exactly wow. what we did. Wow. So basically, we just shut it down. And, and because of some of the hurt, we, we ran to Austin where my wife's family was. And I, I ended up helping close down the, the it was called Ticklops, the greeting card company that my father-in-law was doing. And it, a lot of things made that go downhill. And I closed it down. And then I decided it was time to start real estate. And I started flipping houses. And that was in 2011. So I got my real estate license. Uh, we spent about a year and a half flipping houses. Uh, did very, very well. So well that we were like, hey, let's buy our own house. Let's buy the house of our dreams now. And so we found a house to remodel. So bought a 20, uh, 30, 3,200 square foot, added a thousand on. My contractor screwed me. Uh, we, he told me it was going to cost 150 to add on. Uh, $350,000 later, we were in trouble. So essentially, that's <laughs> bought another house for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a year, a thousand feet. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So a year later, uh, we were sitting in, and he never had done that before. He was the same contractor that had flipped these houses with me and done great and made great profits for me. And you know, was, I'm like, what just happened? So I did that, but then I, at about that time, I uh, I tried a couple of other firms uh, to looked at them to just to sell real estate. Finally, I, I drank the Kool-Aid of Keller Williams and joined KW Commercial. Uh, met up with Robert Creamer, who is my business partner. He's a part of, he's a GoBro as well. And he and I have been doing this since 2013, just plugging away. And, and we're, we're, we're just, you know, clicking away. It's just been really good. We're grow, we've grown a team up now. There's uh, five of us total. Um, we're looking to just kill it over the next 10 years. So we got big plans, big plans. Nice. Love it. All right. So let's get into some nitty gritty here. Um, let's do it. What percentage are you? Uh, at this point, I'm almost maybe, I could maybe say 5%. It's not very good. <laughs> uh, oh, I left out one big detail about this and this is why. Okay. Yeah. It, do tell. In April of 2016, my wife had a stroke. So we have, we've been, and I mean, she's 42, 41 years old at the time. And so we've literally just been recovering, you know, for the last year and a half. So um, we, she's doing great. I mean, if you, you wouldn't even know it if you saw her now, but it's still been a, a long road and um, she's really doing well. And, you know, it her, I mean, so much has happened. Her dad died in February. So we've had a lot of crises that have occurred. Yeah, you sure so, have. Uh, been a rocky road. Yeah. So it kind of pushed things down and pushed things back a little bit in terms of how we were moving forward. I mean, uh, but, but now we're clicking. Did you have to rehabilitate His, her? Did she lose, you know, function? Yes. Yeah, she, she struggled to, she was able to walk after we left the hospital, but with a, with a walker um, and then give it a, you know, as, as probably within three months, she was able to walk without a walker. 
and then, but now she's running on treadmills and, you know, you would, I mean, literally, she still has some numbness and pain in her hands and, and her arms and, you know, she, it, yeah, you can mess with her here and there. She, she just has some real uh, sen- sensory kind of stuff going on. So, but, but she's doing great. But that, that really held us back for a good year and a half, just, you know, recovering and trying to um, get her back up to speed. And she's now, I mean, this is why we're behind on selling the house. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things we were, we wanted to sell the house so that we could get back into the game, but it was time and just wasn't right. So we're not nearly as far along as we uh, would have liked. So got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, so you don't have a horizontal income really, right? I mean, you're, no, you're well, you that, wanna, but, but you're going to sell this house. Yes. So you, you got this house uh, before you were saying you got $650,000 worth of equity. This is a great question. So, now, what are you doing with that six fifty in equity? Are you buying a smaller house, or what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, we're we're looking in the five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand dollars range because, I mean, for the next five years, every two years, we're gonna two our kids are moving out, so we're gonna be empty nesters in five years. How old are your kids? There's, uh, I got a sophomore, college senior, uh, sophomore, eighth grade. So, okay. so you really got two kids at home, let's say, for the most part. Yes. And then, yeah. and then. And uh, you're going from a what thousand to a what thousand square foot house? From a forty three hundred to twenty seven hundred, which will probably add another three or four hundred on. So, yeah. yeah, or not? You know what I mean? Like, like here's I, the thing: yeah. I live in a twenty three hundred square foot house, and I have two houses: one in South Carolina and one in Maryland. My one in Maryland is sixteen hundred. I really think that small houses are logical. I mean, look at David uh, Osborne. You know, his house is like three grand or something. For, yeah. Maybe, yeah. 3,000 square feet is worth $85 well, million. Dollars. I mean, what, you know, Aaron, Aaron West told me the same thing this morning. <laughs> what's that? Aaron West told me the same thing this morning. He's like, what's wrong with that size house? I'm like, there's nothing wrong with it. We, we are just big entertainers. And that's primarily the only reason we would do it is for space to yep. not. You know, you know what we did with our house? We bought a 1,600 square foot rancher. We just took out all the walls. And so it's like one giant kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, it's kind of like uh, the Marriott Courtyards. You ever been in yeah. a Marriott Courtyard? Yeah. You walk in, it's just some big, 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 massive kitchen. But yes. People are hanging out and stuff. It's the same thing. We just made one big, massive, we put a flat screen up. You, got, you can watch TV, but it's a one big entertaining kitchen, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then bedrooms, and that's all you need, right? Yep. And maybe that's, a yard. That is true. Yeah, we're, that's that's pretty much what we're looking at doing, though. Is- so then, tell me what you're going to do with the with the additional cash. How are you going to invest that? Because that's the good stuff. Yeah, no, I, my intent and in, is that Robert and I have been. I mean, we've been waiting to have cash flow to be able to do this for some time. So we're we're planning on um, literally either I've got multiple options. Syndication is one of the things that I want to do because I specialize in multifamily right now from a sales perspective. And I've got good contacts in that. And it's Bruce is who I was thinking of earlier. Uh, Bruce is uh, the guy. He's already told us that he would love to be a part of helping us really, you know, launch that for our, each other. And then I'm, I'm happy to get back into just buying and, and holding, uh, buying, flipping, holding, repeat, you know, refi, repeat. So that, that, is, that is kind of the plan of, uh, that I want to go on now. And, um, but syndication is something that I'm really excited about getting into. And we're, we're just ready to do that. I think it's, it just makes sense with how we how we've run our business and what's so. the um okay so talk to me about you know multifamily or multifamily investing in mm-hmm. the Austin Texas are you going to stay in Texas? 
I will, we're probably going to stay in Texas. Uh, the only, I'm not going to get into markets that I don't have good contacts in. Um, we've been looking at down at Lynn's, you know, with what Lynn and uh, Lynn's doing down there in, in Florida, Palm Coast. And I, I really like that idea of, of buying in Jacksonville and working with that group. I was, I spoke with uh, several others. I mean, uh, I'm going to lose their names now, but uh, Tucson. Go bro. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ben. Ben is. Uh, yeah, ben. Uh, yeah, there's, tons of, there's tons of stuff you can do. So, so you can do a little bit, all of it. Uh, you know, you're just going to find where the returns are and put yes. them in there. Which is what you got to do right now. I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to really find any one thing um, in, especially in Texas. I mean, you got to go where the deal is as opposed to yeah. it's yeah. stuck. Texas, parts of Texas are like California now. Oh my goodness. Austin is. I mean, you know, uh, we, we sold the largest uh, building or largest, second largest sale of KW's history. Um, first in KW commercials history this year. And uh, it was upwards only because I can't say, but it was uh, up, up above is 60. Public record? No, not Austin. We have, we are non-reporting state. So um, you guys don't have LoopNet or or CoStar or nothing like that. You we do, but we're not. We don't put. We don't post it because our clients won't let us. So uh, client, what what do they care? They, because it's it protects them in terms of what they're who's calling them. Um, because if the owners, That's I know stupid. that doesn't make any sense. So I know so Austin won't allow Uber and it won't allow CoStar. No, Uber's back, but you're right. <laughs> I mean, you have Uber now. So that well, they allow CoStar. It's just that very few people actually report what they sell the sales price is because we're a non-reporting state. It, it can affect my license if I was to give that, but I can tell you is I was, would think that if I had $50, I could find out what it sold for. Oh, I, I'm telling you it was between 60 and 70. And you know, if we were off air, I'd tell you exactly what it was yeah, going yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's gotta be a way, but, but okay. So what was that? A office building? No, it was a multifamily deal. Um, had some condo converters who were coming in. But it was. Oh, they're converting to, it to condos? Yes. But according to my numbers, Ooh, they that's bought risky. It, yes. And my numbers, they bought it at under a four cap. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's where we're. I mean, we're at heading. some point, right, you know, you got to ask yourself is there such thing as a three cap? You know what I mean? No, is there shouldn't be. Is there such thing as a three cap someday? <laughs> there you shouldn't know what I mean? be. I mean, yeah. I mean, their their condo numbers had a, at a much higher cap. Obviously, with what they're going to do, I mean, they were going to turn you know a three uh, a thirty million dollar profit was their plan. So, and uh, is, was this a hedge fund that bought this? No, it's a it's a group of condo converters. That's what they do. That's all they do. So, they're what doing they're doing. Miami could be, and Baltimore. It could be the um, it could be the best thing they ever did. It could be the absolute last thing they ever did. You know what? I, what I'm fi- what I'm seeing out a lot now with the with with the syndications. <laughs> Are, I'm starting to see syndicators fitting square pegs and round holes just because they have the money. Yes. So you got all these people saying, here, take my 100 grand check or 10 grand check or whatever they do. I'm an accredited investor, you know, and they just swear on a, on a <laughs> whatever, not even a Bible, right? They just swear on yeah. Their, yeah. <laughs> their book that they happen to be reading that they're a credit investor. And then next thing you know, they, they give money and they hope that, uh, they let the chips fall where they may, and then, then the people have all this money, and they're like, "We need to do something with it." They're going to pull it and give it to somebody else, yeah. Or we're going to get returns that you know aren't going to excite them because half of the year we're getting zero, or nine months out of the year we're getting zero because we didn't buy anything. Yeah, and, and it the is. Next thing you know, they're just forcing these deals. I, I don't know. It's interesting. Well, it'll be fun to watch, but 
All right, so let's talk about health a little bit here. Um, okay. How much do you weigh? I weigh 200 pounds. So I, I, I got to go in and do the, the, the bod pod. But I, I, my last check, I was at 21% body fat. Working on that, uh, been to the doctor here recently. Uh, cholesterol is a little high. So um, working on getting my cholesterol down. It's kind of a genetic thing for my family. But no, I'm, in, I'm actually doing really well. I've been working out about three times, four times a week. Um, uh, last two weeks, I haven't been just because of busy schedule. But yeah. So. Okay. All right, good. And then, uh, so when you work out, what type of workout do you do? I do everything from, you know, running on the treadmill to high intensity. Um, I mean, literally kind of CrossFit style workouts. I don't do a lot of some of, some of the stupid moves that CrossFit does, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, CrossFit is like, uh, if you can make it through a full year without getting injured. Seriously. You know. Yeah. I avoid anything overhead squats. That's out. <laughs> <laughs> no overhead squats. So, so um, all right. So, you know, the um, six pillars, right? You, you got yes. horizontal income, right? Uh, you know, extreme accountability, age-defying health, uh, gen- uh, genuine contribution, bucket list adventures, and uh, relationships. Which, which one of these are you best at? I would probably say um, it has something to do with genuine contribution. It's somewhere between genuine contribution and relationships. Um, it, if, if there's one thing, I mean, my, my vision or mission in life literally is to inspire others to their truest and best self. And, and, I, and I do that. I want to do that through my teaching and through my genuine relationships, you know, really deep. I don't like having shallow conversations. I, I, I will, but I'm a guy who wants to get deep. It's the minister in me. So, you know, I, I, I love I'm the people. same way, right? Yeah. I mean, it's official, you know, yeah, <laughs> there's more to life, you know, and if, if we're going to sit around and, and play patty cake, I, I'm out. So, um, you know, I want to get down to, I want to get down to life and, and help people, you know, really find who they are and, and, you know, really dig in deep and, and that's kind of been my quest. I mean, you know, that, to that question, I put my spiritual groundedness, but I, it was because I couldn't really say it was one pillar or another. Um, but yeah, but I found that that is a pillar that y'all don't necessarily promote that well, but it is there always is spirituality. So what do you do? Like, what do you do to emphasize that other than being spiritual? I mean, is there any, you know, it, <laughs> It's just mystical, man. Come on. We're just, we're just, just I'm just a mystic. You walk by, right? Give away my secrets. I walk on water. No, wait a second. Hold on. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, it, I, I think that, uh, wow, I'm going to preach a little bit. But for me, it has to do with relationships. God, God is a, God in three persons in the Christian world being Father, Son, and Spirit is all about relationship. And, and he brings us into that as the embodiment of God on earth. And so the way we express that is through deep, meaningful relationships. And so uh, in my private times, everything I'm doing is really more about improving myself so that I am more stable, so that I can be there for others. And then when it comes to my relationships, they, all my friends know. I'm a teacher. I, I love to talk Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism. I, I, love good, I love getting into anything that has to do with groundedness and really finding and seeking a better understanding of what it means to be a divine being. Have you read all the books? I mean, have you, have you read the Quran? I have read, uh, no, I've not read the Quran that that's one I haven't gotten into yet. What have you gotten? uh, Have you read the others? 
I've, I've read about Buddhism. Buddhism doesn't have any real solid direction unless you're a Buddhist. You can read a lot of books, and, I've, and I follow uh, along with, um, uh, oh, good grief, uh, Pedra uh, Cohen, or I'm going to say it wrong, Pedra Cohen, but anyway, she's a, a, a Buddhist author, and she has all sorts of videos that she um, guides, guides you through meditations, and, and so I've learned a lot through that. And understand some of the principles, but um, one of my favorite books is uh, "Living, Living, Loving Jesus, Loving Buddha," or "Living Jesus, Living Buddha." Excuse me. I've just—it's—it's it's a beautiful. Thich Nhat Hanh wrote it. It's a great one that just overlaps and says, mm. "Spirituality is spirituality," and it's—it's it's just a beautiful. So I probably I connect. A lot of people feel that way. Yeah. 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 All right. So what, what are some things on your bucket list item? Like, what do you, what do you want here? We have our greatest hits, right? And, um, yes, every, yes. you know, what, what are your future greatest hits here? So honestly, I mean, when I, I struggle with bucket list items and the reason why is because I have, I've been given so much and I've been, I'm thankful for what I've got. And, um, so, I mean, like I don't have a bigger house. I'm going the other direction. I don't have a, a dream vacation cause I've been on them. Um, but, if I have to, if I have to have a bucket list, it's going to be some things like playing Augusta, Pebble Beach, um, you know, going down to some of the major, going on a Scotland trip to play golf. Uh, a lot of it's centered around golf. Um, the other other thing is, is that I'd really like to have some acreage to hunt on. I'm a good old Texas boy from that perspective, West Texas at that. You know, I really adopted that mentality very, very early on. I, I, I just enjoy being outdoors hunting. I mean, it's fishing, whatever it is. So buying a big ranch would be on that list. Yeah, that's neat. It's always interesting to me how people from Texas want to buy ranches, you know, because I'm, I know. I mean, I'm from Maryland. It's cliche. A little state, right? And <laughs> like no one ever said to me that I wanted to buy a ranch ever <laughs> in my life. Um, and, uh, but you get in text, everybody has that thing, but you know, I don't know if you know, Chris Shonk, he has ATX, uh, ATX ventures. He's a go bro. One of the things either that is, uh, that his company is funding or they were talking about funding was, um, basically a service that allowed you to go hunting. It's like an Uber or an Airbnb for hunting lodges and ranches. So you could, you could use somebody else's ranch. And see reviews on that ranch. Hey, I shot six elk on this ranch, you know, and three turkeys. And then you you go there, you pay them a thousand bucks for the weekend or whatever, and then that way you don't have to pay all this money for a ranch. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, and if I had a ranch, I would want to. I'd ideally like to live on it, but I'm a ways from that. I mean, you know, I got to convince my wife to leave her family before that happens. (laughs) Good luck, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I really my list is is short because i'm gonna i'm gonna do ideally i want to do what i want to do when i want to do it with whom i want to do it mm. and you know i mean you can put things like family reunions and kids weddings uh, oh that's first, for sure first grandchild that's, you know that's given that's for me stuff. i mean yeah i want to have you know i want to have like my wife laughed i want 20 grandkids so i mean and i got four that, kids. you know you got to write that stuff down you know right I got it. I grandkid have it right number now. 10. You know, that's a bucket <laughs> list item. When yeah. grandkid number 10 is born. That's right. That will be f- fantastic. Okay, now I'm going to expand it. it. It got deeper. And, so. then, and then, of course, the family portrait. You know, I had that on mine for like five years. I just did it. Didn't work out as, as I had planned, but I still took one. Hired a professional it. photographer. I got five siblings. Got all but one there. Uh, there's like 
10 grandkids, not my grandkids, but my mom and dad's grandkids. Yeah. Got all but two there. And we took a picture. And, and, my, and, th- and that was my bucket list item, although it kind of failed in that I didn't get everyone there that I wanted to. I think I've set a precedent. So if I tried again in two years, I might get lucky if I tried again. And you know what I mean? Or I'll work on ways to make that happen. But creating a family portrait with four generations. Absolutely. That's a bucket list item, right? Yeah, we got to do that this past, uh, in 2016 with uh, Heatherly's grand, my wife's name is Heatherly, uh, with Heatherly's grandmother and then all the way down to the grandkids, our kids. That's awesome. And oh, then, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I hope you got that blown up and framed. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So definitely. Those are, those are the kinds of things that, you're, so you're right. Yeah, I mean, mine, mine are very, not very materialistic overall. They're mostly uh, relational. I mean, they really are, you know. So I, I know I'm going on a trip this year, so it's hard to put that on a bucket list with my best friends because I know I'm going to do it. So. Yeah, 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 right. That's awesome, dude. Well, the, the, the key is, I think, is, is writing it down and then, and then constantly updating it, right? What else is there? Oh, what else looks cool that we can do, you know? It's like with my family portrait. I wrote it down. I checked it off. Now I got to write it down as uh, put it in the four-generation piece and try it again in five years maybe or yes. whatever, you know? So. Yeah. Anyways, well, well, Les, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, best of luck. I'm going to put all Les's information up on the GoBundance website uh, along with this podcast. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in uh, Steamboat, Colorado. And we I will, do. me and you will sit down and uh, drink some beer and get deep, I, I promise. How about that? I love it. I love it. Thanks, Pat. All right, buddy. Talk soon. Grab life big.